Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Uh, we're hearing God's Word this morning from John chapter 11, just nine verses, uh, just verses 45 to 54. In some ways, this is, the, this is just the conclusion uh, to the story of Lazarus that we heard last week. Last week, the famous story of Lazarus who had died, and four days later, Jesus wrote, brought him back from the dead, called him to come right out of the tomb and rise up, um, showing his, that Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life that he had brought resurrection power to earth right now, and that his power is far more than we, can, we ever expect, even when we have limited faith that Jesus blows our expectations out of the water. Now, you would think that... That would have been a great thing. Everybody would have been really excited about Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead, and everybody would have believed in Jesus. And we'll see today the follow-up to that story. What happened next? What happened after? What happens when God does an amazing thing? Because we all think if God would just show up and do something amazing, then we would believe. Then we would obey. Sadly, not the case. So let's read John chapter 11. Verses 45 to 54. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with his disciples. We're actually going to stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, that this word was written down so long ago and that it was preserved for us, so that this could be your word for us today. We pray now that as we reflect on it together for the next few minutes, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would sink this word deep into our hearts, that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if I had brought my bag, what I was supposed to have in my bag was a chessboard. And that may not seem very exciting to some of you, but to me and to Garrett, a chessboard, and to Isaac, where's Isaac? Isaac may have gone over to kids' time with the kids. A chessboard is very, very exciting. And usually when you think about chess, uh, you think of the the thing that we love about chess is that chess is like, it's the perfect game because it starts off completely balanced. You're in the same position and there's no luck. There's no cards. There's no dice. It is the most pure game of skill. And you can figure everything out, except you really can't figure everything out because there's too many possibilities. But theoretically, you can figure everything out and work everything out and always make the right move. Now, once you play chess for a while, 
Then you start playing something, usually chess you, you think about a lot, but then you find this game called bullet chess. And in bullet chess, you have one minute to make all your moves. So you have to move really, really fast. And what happens when you start moving fast? You make lots of mistakes, lots of mistakes. And so what happens, so when I'm playing bullet chess, and I play far too much bullet chess, um, but I'm playing bullet chess and I'll start making mistakes and I'll, I'll see that I'm behind and then I just keep making more and more, I just start throwing pieces everywhere, figuratively, trying desperately to make something work and I get into a deeper and deeper hole. And what we see here in John chapter 11 is that the Pharisees and the chief priests have gotten themselves into a hole. And instead of pulling out of that hole, they keep digging deeper and deeper. They have made their mistakes and they just keep digging in. And what, what we see here is that we, and, and we can look at this and be like, really, they wanted to kill Jesus instead of believing in him? And it seems kind of crazy. And yes, probably none of us would go and actually murder somebody or actually set up a plot to kill people. But I think we can identify with getting stuck in a situation where we have made mistakes and we just keep digging in. See, the Pharisees and the chief priests had made the mistake of being opposed to Jesus in the first place. They had turned against him. And now Jesus is doing all these signs. And we get this question in verse... Um, where'd the question go? We get this question in, in verse 47. What are we to do? <laughs> like, believe in him. Believe in him. That's what you're to do. But they can't do it. They've already set their path opposed to Jesus. And so instead, they get wrapped up in their own concerns. What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to the nations? And how many of us can look at that and say, you know what? I kind of see that. Where I, I see things happening. I see potential. I see even glimpses of what God has done. Opportunities to serve. Miracles that have happened. People that are changing their lives. And yet, all I can think about is what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? Am I going to get through? What do I, is, am I going to look bad because other people are looking good? What is going to happen to me? We get so locked in on ourselves that we get wrapped up. And I, talked, I was talking about bullet chess. You know, sometimes it's, this is, does not just happen when we're trying to move really fast and we get caught up in this frenzy of activity. One of the other things that happens in a chess game is that even in a regular chess game where you have all the time to think, sometimes you're just stuck because you have moved yourself into a bad position and you feel yourself being slowly strangled and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's how we feel. So I would get, we just keep making wrong decisions after wrong decisions. But what we really see here, the glorious truth about God is that he can take these wrong decisions and make them into something beautifully right. So if you saw, uh, if you saw the sermon title, either in the, the Resurrection Weekly yesterday or on Facebook earlier in the week, the, the sermon, as I look at this passage, I called it two wrongs make a right, which we know in life that doesn't happen. In life we learn two wrongs don't make a right. But in God's economy, two wrongs do make a right. So for those of you who, who take notes or kids following along on your clipboards, the pattern here is a little bit different. We're just going to follow the pattern of two wrongs and then the right. So if you're waiting for me to name three points, don't, don't stop waiting. We're just going first wrong, second wrong, and right, just so you know 
where we're going. So we'll follow the story here. The first wrong is that question. What are we to do? What are we to do? And the, that's, that, the first wrong there is that the answer is not believe in him. That was the first mistake. To ask the question, what are we to do? The obvious answer, believe in Jesus. Repent of your opposition. I mean, who is Jesus anyway? Like, he's going to be gracious. He's going to be loving. He keeps telling people to come and join him to repent, and yet they don't do it. Their first wrong was getting wrapped up in trying to preserve their own image, getting wrapped up in their fears of what would happen. You see their fears here. What are we to do? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So you see kind of two, it's interesting, the two fears you see there. They will take away our place. That's the one where you're like, come on, guys. Who, who cares about, like, don't be so stuck up on yourselves. But they've also wrapped it into this fear for their nation. So what's going on? Where, where are they coming? Like, because we can read this, be like, Jesus, everybody follows Jesus, and the, where are the Romans coming in? Their fear was that at that time, there was, there was a lot of tumult in, in first century Judea. And the, the, the people of the Jews were under the authority of the Romans who had occupied the area. And the Jews did not like being under any other authority. And so from time to time, there would be these revolts and these rebellions. And somebody would rise up as a, as a messianic figure and say, I'm the one. Everybody follow me. And the Romans did not like it when this happened. And they would tend to come and crush things. And so there is a sense of fear here. that, that That's what the, the Pharisees and the priests are going for. Like, if everybody's following Jesus, the Romans are going to see him as this, like, messianic king. And they're going to come crush him. And they're going to come crush us. But we realize, when we look at this, like, that fear was crazy. Like, Jesus was not trying to be that kind of king. So what, it, what happens if everyone believes in Jesus? Well, we have a community of sacrifice and help and healing. That's not something the Romans are going to come and try to crush. But they were so wrapped up in their own place, in their own fears, in their own self-centeredness, in their own ideas, that it just blew out of proportion. And so that was their first wrong. What are we going to do? That Jesus is a problem. And so we've got to ask ourselves then, when we see God in front of us, when we see God doing something, what are we going to do? Are we going to believe in Jesus? Are we going to believe the miracles that we see? When we see people healed, are we going to believe that Jesus did it? Or are we going to try to explain it away and explain it away? Are we going to believe that he could do it again? Are we going to persevere in prayer? Say, yes, Jesus, you can heal. You can heal my baby. You can heal my friend. You can heal my parent. I'm going to keep praying. And I'm going to trust that whatever happens, you're going to, you're going to be there with me. Or do we go and try to take matters into our own hands? Do we harden our hearts? Yeah, we may not try to kill off Jesus, but we may harden our hearts to him and no longer believe and no longer step out in faith and do the things that he is calling us to do. So that was the first wrong. What are we to do? Should have believed, didn't do it. Then we go to a second wrong. It gets worse. We keep going down the spiral. The second wrong is when Caiaphas stands up in verse 49. Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, what should the high priest say? The high priest should stand up and say, guys, he's the Messiah. He's the son of David. 
we should follow him. That was the priest's job, was to point people to God, to teach them the law, to see the prophecies, to stand up and say, it's Jesus, it's the one we've been waiting for. But instead, Caiaphas stands up kind of as a jerk. Apparently, according to the historians of the time, the priests were actually largely jerks um, in how they acted towards people. And so when he says, you know nothing at all, he really is sneering at them. So you've got this council of Pharisees and, and, and priests, and they're like, what are we going to do? They're fearful and anxious. And the high priest stands up, should be the one to lead them in peace and hope. And instead, he mocks them. It's like, guys, no, what are you afraid of? Let's just kill him. That's what Caiaphas is saying. You know nothing at all, nor do you understand. You're afraid of this guy? No, no, no. It is better, for that, the whole, better that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Caiaphas just stands. This is the second wrong. First wrong, they didn't believe in Jesus. Second wrong, they decided to kill him. They decided to kill him off. The leader, the man who was supposed to be the leader of God's people, the man who was supposed to point them to the scriptures, point them to the truth about God. Instead, he went and he, he said, let's just kill him off. Let's preserve our place. Let's preserve what we've got going. So what, is, what does that do for us? Well, clearly we should not be like Caiaphas, right? We should not try to kill off Jesus. But it is a warning to us, pay, pay attention to who we're following. Who are we following? Are we following the leaders who are pointing us truthfully to God's word? Or are we following people and leaders who are more concerned with their own place and their own status than with the truth that God has offered? Let's not follow Caiaphas down that path. But that's not really the point here. It's not really the point that we shouldn't be like the Pharisees. It's not really the point that we shouldn't be like Caiaphas. The point is the glorious truth that out of this downward spiral of wrong and then wrong and still lots more wrongs, there comes a glorious right. And that's what John says in verse 51. Caiaphas's awful statement, let's kill him. And then John's like, hey, he did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So in the, in the flow of the story, this is John kind of pulling out a commentary because then they go on and say, yeah, we're going to put him to death. But John steps back and says, Caiaphas, evil, twisted Caiaphas, trying to kill off Jesus to preserve his own place, unwittingly made a prophecy about what would actually happen. And that Jesus' death while it was the absolute wrong thing for those leaders to do at the time, turned out to be the very thing that they needed. That they needed. And so we know what John is talking about here, of course, is that if Jesus would die for the nation, that Jesus in his death would be the salvation of the nation that for the forgiveness of their sins. And not for the nation only, not just for... It's like it, it just explodes in importance. Like, hey, you're worried about the nation? Jesus' death will preserve the nation. Oh, wait, and for all the children of God scattered abroad. See, if you, uh, back a couple weeks ago, we talked about in John chapter 10 about how Jesus was the good shepherd. And he threw in this line at the end of that story, you know, I'm the good shepherd, my sheep follow me and know my voice. And he was like, and by the way, I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. They will hear my voice too. 
and they will follow me and there will be one flock. And he does it again. Jewish people, yes. Gentiles scattered throughout the world, yes, them too. Better than you could ever imagine. See, the, the leaders here, they actually, they, they were right. There was a problem for the nation. The nation was in danger, but they had the wrong danger. This is our other problem. Sometimes our problem is that we get so wrapped up in ourselves and our anxiety and that kind of thing, we can only think about ourselves and what's going to happen to me. But the other problem is sometimes we see the wrong danger. They were afraid of the Romans coming and taking away their nation. What they should have been afraid of was the effect of sin on their nation. Because that was the problem that when, when, Jesus said, when, when John says that Jesus would die for the nation, it was not to save them from the Romans. It was to save them from their sins, to save them from their rebellion against God. And so even though they had set out to do multiple wrongs and keep disobeying God, put to death the Son of God himself, God in his wonder turns that into a glorious rite, whereby Jesus' death, the sins could be forgiven. People could be reconciled, one to uh, reconciled to God and reconciled to another, not just the nation that the priests were concerned about, but all the children of God throughout the world into one nation. So out of these two wrongs, God makes one glorious right. What does this tell us about God? We serve a God who uses evil for good. And we can talk about like, God rescuing people, like God's going to bring me out of this. God's going to, you know, I, I've been watching these videos. Facebook seems to think that I like to watch sports videos. It's probably true. So I see these videos of like the Kentucky Derby winner coming from far behind. Or there's this great video of the, uh, there's a high school, uh, a high school girl track athlete uh, who fell in the 100 meter hurdle. She falls on the second hurdle, no chance. And then she wins, she gets up and she, and she wins, come from behind. We think, oh, that's what God's going to do. He's going to bring me back because I'm going to run really fast. But God is so much better than that. He doesn't just give us the strength to run really fast, to pull ourselves up, to catch up from behind. God actually takes our wrongdoing and turns it into good. Does that mean they were right to kill Jesus? Not, no, 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 not at all. Let us, never, let us never think such a thing, as Paul would say later on in Romans. But God can use it. And there's this, there's this great line. It's a little, almost like a throwaway line later on in, in the book of Acts. After Jesus has died, come back from the dead, gone up to heaven, and the disciples are going out and telling people, and lots of people are believing in Jesus. There's this great line in Acts that says, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And it's interesting when you think about it, it's not just that these evil people were doing things and God used their evil to save this other group of people over here. God used their evil to save them. The priests put Jesus to death. And then in Acts, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. What they had done became their very salvation. Were they right to do it? No. This is no license to go and do wrong things. But it is God's glory that he takes even our wrongdoing and turns it into good. So even, so even coming back to our chessboard, in chess, sometimes you feel like everything is, every, you're, you're trapped and nothing can go right. And you're just helplessly flailing about. 
And there have been many times that all, I make a move, and all of a sudden, it's checkmate, that I have checkmated the other person. Did I mean to checkmate them? No. I had no idea. And I play it on my phone. And so, like, it stops. I'm like, what happened? Oh, checkmate. I won. How about that? And I had no idea. That's what, but why? But that's what God is doing. We're just flailing about doing what is wrong. And God, in his power, turns it into something right and beautiful. Because this is who God is. So what do we do with that? All we can do is respond in faith. All we can do is rest in his grace. As we look at the priests and the Pharisees and we look at Caiaphas, yeah, we can say, don't, don't be like them. We should believe in Jesus. And that's true. We should believe in Jesus. We should not be like them. But the greater message is to rest in the God who takes even our wrongs and makes them into right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that Jesus sacrificed himself for us. That whatever the intentions of evil men to do harm, to preserve their own place, that you used it for their salvation and for ours. And we give you all thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.